This is the remix. Swing and a bouncer over the mound hits softly. Out near second base, it's picked up by Muncie. Throws the first for the out. Now they've got the rundown. They're through to third base. It's way over the head. Posey had come around third, and Bellinger threw to third, and he sailed it 40 feet over the head of the third baseman. Posey comes in to score. Two balls and a strike to Fernando. Runner on first two outs. This pitch hit in the air to deep left field. Cannot not wow. even going to move. It is way, way wow. back underneath the video board and left. 1-2 to Manny in the air to right field. That is a missile. Going back, Brown at the wall. Leaps, gonna go. Three-run homer, Manny Machado. Padres all of a sudden lead it 7-3 here in the fifth. Joining us now from Raiders training camp is Ed Graney. Ed, how'd you feel about that Cody Bellinger throw into orbit? Uh, the wife had to come out and turn the TV off at that point. Um <laughs> It was, I mean, and that goes, and here you go with Roberts, putting him at first, not giving him any reps because he's been hurt, so they don't want him running in the outfield because the guy can't run without pulling his hamstring. Can't go to the water bottle without doing that. So I blame Doc Roberts again uh, for putting him in that position, but he's a professional baseball player, and he should be able to throw to you to me. So, yeah, it was uh, it was not good. The daughter had to come out and put on manifest and switch the game off. So, yeah, it was, I just got the, the stink guy last night with the eruption. Well, I, I will say, I think that one was uh, deserved. Like, you hate on yeah. Cody Bellinger a lot. But, yeah. like, it's not like, oh, he made a bad throw that, like, bounced on a short hop to third base. No. He threw it into, like, the upper yeah. deck. Yeah. Just, it was <laughs> it was pathetic. He should have taken the double play because if he throws it on a second, they're not going to send the guy anyway because he hadn't even barely reached third. So, you know, bad decision by him. And then, he you know, he, you know, he compounds it by, uh, you know, throwing it a million uh, miles over someone's head. So. Yeah, he was, he was good last night. Really, really looking forward to him playing more. Uh, how's training camp? What have you got to see this morning? Well, uh, so the the big news of the day, there's no question, is they have a new guy uh, running the stretching part of it. I like to refer to him as the deucer. So the deucer <laughs> uh, ran stretches this morning, did a great job. Uh, Heidi Fang uh, got me some pictures of him I'll share with you later. But, uh you know, it's a typical first day. Uh, the only people we didn't see is Jalen Richard and Theo Riddick. So we're going to have to ask after that about what the deal is with them. Um, Kenyon Drake was here, but he's working on the side with trainers. And, and there's a handful of guys with masks on when their helmets are off. So read that into what you probably should read into it. A lot of running backs. Um, but Gruden said yesterday they're close to being all vaccinated. So, but you can kind of tell the guys maybe not reading into it too much um, who's not because when their helmets are off, the masks come on. Um, so other than that, they just went to team right now, running some team stuff at this point. It's just been kind of individual groupings like you'd expect in a first day and stretching. So not much, not much, uh, in terms of what you get from a first day. Ed, should we assume that the deucer has any chance of making the roster? Well, if there's more masks tomorrow, we're going to have to start looking at the deucer as a, uh, as a fullback. He did play that in college and we know how his father loves the fullback. So, uh, I will not be surprised. Deucer's legs is bigger than my head, so I'm not going to say anything wrong or negative about the Deucer. Uh, he's uh, looks good out there, and uh, he was excited. I mean, he was uh, he was running those drills and stretching them and stuff like that, and they were following along. They were doing what he said. Did you have Heidi Fang take pictures specifically of Deuce Gruden for your own personal enjoyment? No, I said let's let's shoot the stretching, <laughs> and if he happens to be in the frame, let's get it. Uh, look. We're, we're, Tyler, we're professionals out here. We need to shoot everyone on the field at the chance that we might have to write something down the road 
about anyone out here. So there's no one out here we don't try to shoot. When is your column on his weightlifting success? Well, the funny thing is, it's you laugh, but I actually, and you know, hello, long snapper, I actually requested to talk to him before he went to Florida for the um, for the weightlifting competition, which I thought would be cool, like a story, like not a lot of people know about him and his weightlifting. Uh, they, they put the request into him, and the response back was maybe in time, but not now. So, listen, if I ever get a call saying he's ready to talk, I'm going to write it because I think it's interesting that he's the coach's son, but also he has the kind of this professional existence as a, as a, as a bodybuilder and a weightlifter. So I'll keep you updated. Um, you know, we're still waiting for the long snapper. I'm still waiting for Greg Olson from last week. So I, I don't know if I'm <laughs> counting on the deuce or calling me. That's very disappointing. That's a trick I use as a referee with coaches all the time where a coach <laughs> wants to yell at me. And I'm like, Coach, not now, not now. And just hoping yeah. we're going to run up and down the court like five more times and he's going to forget he ever asked about it. Yeah, so exactly. I, I wonder if the deucer is kind of giving you kind of giving you the slow goodbye here. Well, I hope not. I'd like to write it. I think it's like I said, I mean, you know, he's, his dad's the coach and it's kind of cool that he does this weightlifting. It be, it make for good art. We're always thinking about art, the newspaper and video. Yeah. So if we could throw a video out about him like deadlifting and good art, I mean, that's half the battle. I mean, you know, I probably won't write it well, but as long as the art's there, I mean, people might I read it. it. I love it. Wild art, dominant art. Got all sorts of newspaper <laughs> art we got to take care of here. Uh, and uh, we, we get news that the Golden Knights have made a trade. Yeah. Ganey Dadinoff comes in at $5 million a year for the next two years as Nick Holden, a draft pick, uh, go out. Tyler and I were kind of scratching our heads at a right wing uh, coming on to the roster, although maybe there could be something else at play here. Are you surprised to see this? Uh, yeah, I guess I'm surprised at the position. I saw his numbers, so other than last year in a condensed schedule, and you know, was, I think Justin Emerson tweeted it was a you know it was a good tweet. You know, blame a lot of that on it being Ottawa, uh, and, and start with that organization. So he had good numbers until then in terms of like high 20s and goal scoring. But yeah, I mean, I think more so the position than they went out and got someone, and you know, they got a guy who you know they probably hope can help in the power play and scoring. But I can't believe that. After yesterday, this is kind of the main splash they make, if it makes sense. I can't believe that there's not going to be a center at some point kind of brought brought along. Um, but, you know, they signed Martinez, and uh, they got this guy. And, you know, I mean, I think they're trying to add guys who can, you know, score goals, given what happened the last year of the playoffs. But I'm with you. I, if this is, like, the only thing that happens the rest of the way, then I'll be really surprised. If they are doing this and moving on from Riley Smith, because – salary yeah. cap wise they might need to make some another move here like yeah. do you view that as a as a as a positive eh. i mean he's an expiring guy right no he's got two um, years or smith is yeah oh, dad enough has two oh, yeah, years no, yeah smith uh, smith yeah. so i don't i mean I, I i always thought and i you and i talked about this in the show like i don't think either of us were going to be surprised if they're going to move on from him um at some point so i guess i won't be surprised i can I sit here and say, um, you know, who they got today is going to be better than him? I, I have no idea. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think obviously they hope this guy's good or they wouldn't. They give up Holden and a, what a pick. Um, so I, this just can't be it. I mean, and I don't think it is. I'll be shocked. Like, if like two, three weeks from now and, you know, the summer really hits and they're kind of like waiting to go to camp and it's like, well, these are the moves they made. And this is the only thing they did to kind of improve their offense or their ability to score. So I guess we wait and see. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I, one, I wouldn't be surprised if Riley Smith was dealt and two, I hope everyone would be surprised if this is the only thing they do. 
All right, Ed. So uh, I, I think that's enough of us being negative, talking about a team's management of its roster. So let's go to John Gruden talking about the Raiders secondary. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of enthusiasm from Gruden yeah. yesterday about some players that we've obviously had our uh, our questions about uh, over time. What'd you take away from Gruden talking about the Raiders defense? Well, I mean, we could have, I mean, all of us could have sat down and probably said, here's the question, what's he going to say? Um, he's going to be excited about everyone at this point, but I think if you watch them, I mean, Damon Arnett and, you know, uh, you know, guys who have been Jonathan Aiden, guys like that, I mean, they have to be better and we have to see it on the field. So nothing he says surprises me the eve of camp when he's overly positive. I mean, he's usually overly positive about most things until the season starts. So, but I don't think anyone who watched the team recently can sit there and kind of accept that, oh, they're going to be that much better in the secondary until they actually do it. So, you know, they're all out here and, he said yesterday, Damon Arnett's an opening day starter, and so obviously that's going to happen, I think. And Abram has to be better, and Trayvon Mooring's got to, you know, prove he can be a starter as a rookie. But you know, again, I don't, I, I, I never, I didn't take one thing out of the press conference yesterday where I didn't expect him to say. Like he said nothing where I was like, oh wow, that's a surprise. COVID, he says they're all close. Like I said, we see some guys out here with masks, but not a lot of them. Um, you know, he loves, loves car and, you know, and he, I, the only thing I thought was funny when he said, cause they've been ranked, you know, Tyler's going over, they, they pretty much been ranked last or dead last in every ranking. And it was, it was funny. He was like, look, I don't know who does these rankings, <laughs> but which I also believe, cause there's no way I think that guy's sitting at home reading anything, but he's probably being told about it. Uh, so, you know, that I don't know who does the rankings, but he thinks they're going to be a lot better. Uh, can you confirm some of the things that John Gruden said yesterday? Uh, is Zay Jones in the best shape buddy at camp? You know what the funny part about that is, uh, after I noticed Bruce, uh, after I noticed the Deucer, uh, I noticed that Zay Jones caught two consecutive passes. Uh-oh. So that is a big scouting report from here. So obviously <laughs> Zay Jones is well ahead of what they expect uh, from uh, the new guys. Uh, so yeah, he he uh, he caught a few passes. On uh, kind of like kind of a little shell drill, so he must be in the best shape of the I the, the funny thing is, I don't know what kind of shape he was in before. So, <laughs> if, so if I knew that, I could answer with a more affirmative stance that he's in the best shape of his life. Can you, he appears to still be running. Can you also confirm <laughs> or deny that John Brown is still fast? Okay, listen. Why you'd ask a question about that about Smoker? Uh, I don't. You know. got his nickname the, wrong. The, the, the small. I know. I, I smoke, but I like to put the er in it because I like to be a hockey guy. Uh, the smoker is out here. He appears very swift. I don't know yet if he's as fast as Henry Ruggs. I haven't really gotten the binoculars out to time them. And my, I, I, you know, you taught me how to use the iPhone. I now know there's a stopwatch on it. So tomorrow <laughs> when I call in, when when they're doing their drills open camp, I will for you stopwatch both the smoker oh, yes, and rugs running ten yards to see who's faster. Yes, please. That will be an exclusive yeah, report yeah. here on the this press. This is box. an exclusive. Well, you know, listen. Like with the Golden Knights, I like to say sources. I like to say sources, and I like to have my sources. So I'm going to have an exclusive of sources tomorrow when it comes to smoke and Henry Ruggs racing against each other. I had nothing to add to that, Tyler. You said you had questions to ask about what went on at camp, and now we're talking about getting exclusive reports on Smoker, and apparently, by the way, I like the alter ego of Groose Duden. Yes, right when I said I said, no, it's Deucer, not Groocer. 
Uh, no, but I like, like that. A, I like that. I think I, I oh. think that that would. I think you're going to get a call one of these days from someone who identifies himself as Groose Student, yeah. and that's going to be the call that you thought you were getting hey. to talk about the weightlifting stuff. But you're like, no, no, no. This isn't Deuce Gruden. This is Groose Student. If anyone calls me with any kind of Oose in their name, I'm doing an interview and writing a column whether I know it's him or not. Because if someone calls me and says this is Oose, I'm like, hey, how are you? Let's talk about your weightlifting. Uh, uh, I do. I do have an important non uh, Raiders related question. Has Cassie Soto done anything to embarrass herself? Not yet. Uh, she got really mad that I took her seat in the media room, but I said, you know what? First, first one to the party gets the seat. I don't want you talk. She showed up late. I said, that's getting the back. That's what happens when people show up late. So I don't want to talk about that. So she got mad at that. Um, she pretty much stayed to the rules. You can walk up and down like a side. You can't go near the grass. So they have to shoot from behind an area. I didn't see them coming over to her and saying, you're shooting too late, which has done, been done in the past. She tries to get a few more shots in when the horn goes off. So I think at this point she's been okay. Um, but, you know, she failed to bring food for anybody the last two days, and uh, which, you know, obviously is a bad part by her because she told us she was bringing food. And then um, she gets mad at, you know, she shows up late. That's what you asked her Friday. You know, everyone's here. We got, te- we got tested yesterday. Everyone's here on time. And then, like, she kind of strolls in from Summerlin. Someone girl strolls in like with two minutes left before we go out. So it's just Cassie being Cassie. Wait, does she think there's assigned seats? Yeah, well, that's another thing. That's the other thing about her. It's like, first of all, it's a you know it's a media room with like six rows of five seats, each six rows of seats. No one has. You, you come. It's first come first serve. It's like you know it's Southwest Airlines on the A group. You get on and the seat you want, you take. So I came in this morning and I know she had sat there like the last two days and I purposely sat down just to bug her. And I took her seat, but you should have seen her face when she walked in. Like her, the, just the like complete disappointment and, and anger at me. And I'm like, "There's 40 other seats. Sit down. Why are you looking at me like this?" <laughs> uh, but she has to sit right next to Heidi. She gives me some silly reason that oh, we're doing pictures together. I said it's seven in the morning. They're doing like nine hours. Sit down. <laughs> Nobody's asking for these things right now. The paper's not even open. I don't think there's certainly no one on the job, and you're worried about seven a.m. So, you know, it's just, again, it's Cassie being Cassie. She's a Summerlin uh, elitist. All right. Well, we look forward to having you back on yes. Friday and talking to Cassie. Thanks, Ed. Oh, we, uh, I got, I, listen, I got the smoker for you tomorrow, Tyler. I, I found out where the uh, stopwatch is, and I've got his time for you we, tomorrow. We are looking forward to it. It'll be the best part of the week. Thanks, Ed. I'll see you. Bye. Oh, that is why he is there, just to give us reports on who is fast and who is in shape. Because Zay Jones is in the best shape of his life. By the way, it is... The start of training camp, you wouldn't expect John Gruden to say anything negative, but I did enjoy him yesterday talking up every single receiver they had on the roster. Zay Jones is the best conditioned athlete (laughs) on this team. I guess that's a good thing, right? I I guess it means he'll be able to run drills longer than everybody else. I'm not really sure. I mean... The, the most famous thing we've seen Zay Jones do as a Raider is be like the first receiver featured in the Car Family Circus videos on Instagram last year. <laughs> hey, that meant a lot. They built that chemistry up. All right, coming up next, we will talk to Sam and Ash. Guys, guys, did you know that I actually have a civil case against that that stole my husband? Don't sue a stripper. Why not? She's a stripper. Life sued her and she lost. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Hello, guys. How are you today? 
Hey. Great. How are you? We are we are excellent. Ed's not here, so it's very good. It's much better any, when Ed's not here. I was going to say, is there any correlation between the two? No, Maybe. yeah, sometimes. Sometimes there is. <laughs> um, but I do want to start with the Deshaun Watson case here because Deshaun Watson, he had previously uh, 22 civil lawsuits from women accusing him of sexual assault while he was receiving massages. But now there have been 10 women and two new ones, but 10 women in total have filed complaints with the Houston Police Department about Deshaun Watson. So, like, what changes here when we go from, okay, there's 22 civil suits, but now there's complaints with the police department? Does this, like, make it criminal? Like, what's ultimately going to change for Deshaun Watson in this process? Well, it's getting pretty bad for him. It's, uh, it, it, there's obviously a difference between a criminal investigation and a civil case. In a civil case is something you file and you get you get damages, um, money damages. That's the only thing you, you can really get through that process. Now, if the police are investigating, it's it it means there's a chance that he can be charged criminally um, based on the outcome of that investigation. So, uh, criminal charges, of course, will can result in you being going to jail. So, um, so this all in all is it's just it's heating up and it's definitely not going away. Uh, I'm curious on the timeline here, because with just the civil lawsuits, he wasn't going to be deposed until February 22nd. So, like, conceivably, he could have played out this entire season and then had that civil uh, deposition at the end of February. What, like, timeline-wise, obviously, if it's a complaint and there's an investigation, I know you don't know the exact timeline, but does that speed things up at all? Like, what do you think happens timeline-wise for Deshaun Watson now? Well, anytime there's a criminal case going on with similar allegations to any civil lawsuit the civil lawsuit takes the back seat to the criminal investigation because um anytime you're you're charged with something or you're under investigation for something you have the right to plead the fifth and not testify against yourself or self-incrimination and so here what would happen so long as these investigations are going or any criminal prosecutions are going against deshaun watson he's not going his lawyers will not his defense lawyers will not let him testify in any civil deposition so that's why it's scheduled so far out the criminal proceedings would would have their time to resolve and go their course um, but also you know they work together they want to resolve this i don't think 22 of these women actually want to go through with these lawsuits i think they're looking to resolve them they want a settlement and they want to put it behind them and move on i was going to ask like just from the the women's perspective like is that a reasoning behind why there would be 22 that have civil lawsuits but only 10 that have complained to the police department now yeah absolutely so in a civil lawsuit you have a little you have more control over the proceedings you're the you run it you get to kind of say what goes and what doesn't within the the bounds of the law of whatever jurisdiction you're in so um that's the the benefit of going through the civil route you can work to keep your identity confidential so you can proceed against deshaun watson without um, the public knowing um and so that's one of the benefits for it Another thing I want to talk to you guys about, and this is, I guess it's going to come down to contract law here, but Texas and Oklahoma, they told the Big 12 they're not going to renew their grant of rights with the conference after it expires in 2025, but literally nobody expects Texas and Oklahoma to play in the Big 12 after this upcoming season. They think they'll be gone to the SEC in 2022. So, like, how exactly do you get out of a grant of rights that you have three or four more years on? Is it just you're just paying money to the conferences and the other schools here? 
Well, first, I have to applaud you for that uh, press box segue. That was impressive <laughs> um, between the two subjects. Um, but uh, second, you're absolutely right. It is contract law. And so these media rights, they have these um, deals in place. And there's usually an early termination penalty. And that's what's going on. And there's a holding clause where they have to wait 18 months. So what this statement signals to me is that the Oklahoma and University of Texas want to start negotiations with the Big 12 on how they get out and when they get out. Um, it's just a signal. It's not an end-all. It's not a definitive statement of anything, really. My favorite part of this entire last week of college football hasn't been anything to do with the actual college football programs moving. It's state legislatures in Texas trying to stop Texas from leaving the Big 12 and going to the SEC. How would they do that? Like, how would they even come up with a way to say, no, Texas, you cannot leave the Big 12? Like, what would be their argument to say, yes, we can stop you in the state legislature? Well, I, I think this is silly. You have a, usually states, I think all states have a board of regents that, that govern higher educations, higher institutions within your state. And so, and that's a, a board that come, that's political and it usually has executives from around the state that make these decisions on a, a long-term basis for the best inter, interests of the institution. And if a new governor comes in or a change in policies within the, the government of a state changes over an election course, those regions change too. And so um, that's one way to get rid of them. If you don't like the decisions that this board approves, i.e. leaving and going to the SEC, then I think there's some board of regents that might be under fire. But you can't legislate. The legislature can't come in and pass a law that prohibits this from happening. Yeah, and the, like the funniest part of all this to me is we're like four or five years removed from Texas A&M, another school in Texas, leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC. Yeah, and I think you're you're actually hitting on the soft spot of the subject. The Big 12 is facing destruction. You know, losing Oklahoma, losing Texas is the biggest problem. Now you're left with Baylor, TCU. Who else is in there that it had, draws a national media interest and so the big 12 is looking around going now what do we do who do we have is there i mean they have this grant of rights and we assume texas and oklahoma are going to try to negotiate their way out of this is there anything that the schools left over in the big 12 are they able to go like go after texas and oklahoma for any money and say hey we were expecting to earn this much and now that you're gone we're not going to make that much Un, it's unlikely. I would have to see what their agreement is to begin with. You know, these institutions, they have an, an arrangement to be in the conference. And I don't know. I know the biggest thing I've read so far is there's some schools that think it's odd that Texas and Oklahoma are acting in concert on something. Um, and it's not good. And so that's kind of the one shakedown is that maybe there was some collusion or whatever. And, and that's a problem and violates some bylaws. But I doubt it. Uh, and this is going to be an important one for me personally because we had a, a Seattle, Seattle Mariners game where a fan punched another guy in the face twice. The guy that got punched had some injuries to it. In about a week, I'm going to be at Dodger Stadium wearing an Astros t-shirt. So it was after, nice knowing you. after I inevitably <laughs> get beat up, uh, what do I need to do? <laughs> Call Sam. <laughs> uh, don't look anybody in the eyes. I, uh, people are angry right now. I would keep saying this. Was, I, I think, yeah, and the mask mandate coming back. I think people are, are no, they're going, they're, they've, we've forgotten how to act in public. 
and uh, and so you're seeing all this stuff stuff happen. And but I, I, look, I, you know, Dodger Stadium is you know don't be careful when you're going through the parking lot. I will say though, Sam and I went to a Dodger game recently, and it was against the Giants. It's a historically contentious rivalry. You know, someone did end up um, hospitalized with life-altering injuries as a result of that rivalry about a decade ago. And there was fans on both sides high-fiving each other, jabbing each other, getting along. You know, it, it, the Dodgers lost, but everyone was getting along and having fun. Um, so you just have to know what lines to cross and, and not. It's, it's playground rules. Yeah, that was really cool. It was really neat because there, there was a loud and proud Giants fan right in front of us. And all, all of us around her were, were having, we were having fun with it. And it was very, it was, it was the way it ought to be in a, in a, in a sporting, yeah, at a sporting and, event. And we were just all happy to be out and enjoying baseball in person, as opposed to our couches, which we had to do for a year. I mean, honestly, the historic rivalry is one thing, but his team banged on trash cans. And so I think the Dodgers fans still haven't gotten the revenge that they want. Yeah, I just I think you'll be fine, Tyler. Don't come on, don't <laughs> don't put that into the universe. Let's what? let's get him roughed up at least okay, a little. But, but I I have a real question. Are you getting a Dodger dog, and what are you putting on it? I have not thought that far in advance. I hope my jaw is still functioning in time to get a Dodger dog. Get the Dodger dog first. Okay, we'll see. Don't I, even go to your seat. Don't okay. even just get the Dodger dog. I what if I get beat up in line trying to you get won't. a Dodger dog? Don't okay. say anything. Make no comments. <laughs> okay. Well, they <laughs> are Sam and Ash. It's SamandAshLaw.com. It's 702-820-1234. An important number to have if you're wearing an Astros shirt to a Dodgers games. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you guys. Have a good one. Take care. <laughs> All right. Coming up next. We take a peek. Wait, wait, we don't call it Candy's Briefs anymore. What did we change the name to? Chonies. Candy's Chonies next. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit their website, samandashlaw.com. Sam and Ash, because you deserve what's right. Candies, chonies. Eh, nobody cares about that. It's not a big deal. Guys. It is a massive deal. How do you not understand this? Hundreds of corporations have been hacked in the last few years, and no one gave it. Name one. Equifax. Candies, chonies. Name another. Target. Candies, chonies. Name another one. PlayStation. Name one more. Yahoo. Another. Marriott. One more. eBay, Uber, Anthem, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, Home Depot, Facebook. God damn it. Candies, chonies. Fine, we get UPS, it. UPS, Chase Bank, Tumblr, LinkedIn. People don't care about privacy. What they care about is a good story. So no Bischoff's briefs today. Instead, it's Candies, chonies. What do you got for us, Adam? First of all, uh, shout out, Jared. I believe that's the first time we've had the imaging on that. No, I think that's the third time. But yeah, it, it doesn't get played often enough. I will say that. Thank you for, you know, thank you for doing that. Uh, let's take a deeper look inside my chonies. Uh, it's something I do on a daily basis uh, regularly enough for me, just not for Tyler. Uh, Tyler, I have a number for you. And that number is going to be a number that Tyler has to try to figure out what is this number. The first number I have for you is 30.4%. 30.4% is a number from football. Ooh, football number. 30.4%. What could that be? Uh, Josh Jacobs stuff rate. 
okay. We are we are in the right ballpark in general. It actually is not a number from the Raiders. It is a number from the Green Bay Packers. Oh, uh, 30.4%. Okay. Uh-huh. Do, do, okay. Um, I don't, okay. What's, what's the next clue here? The next clue is it has to do with a Green Bay Packers wide receiver. Ooh. All right. So I'm assuming we're not doing Candy's Chonies about like, Marquez Valdez Scantling. So it's going to be about Devontae Adams. Is that like his target rate in the red zone? Okay. You are very, very close. That is the overall target share among Green Bay Packers receivers for Devontae Adams last year. Devontae Adams received 30.4% of the targets on the Green Bay Packers. That was the highest rate in the entire NFL. More than Stephon Diggs, more than DeAndre Hopkins. Fourth on that list. Wow. Hold on, I'll bring that one to you in a minute. Uh, oh. Devontae Adams at 30.4%. Uh, what do we make, Tyler, of the fact that we now know that Aaron Rodgers is probably playing one more year in Green Bay and Devontae Adams is not likely to sign a long-term deal and we've spent so much time this offseason hearing about the Fresno State connection between Devontae Adams and Derek Carr. What do you think the Rodgers news does for the potential of Devontae Adams in a Raiders uniform next well, year? more importantly, what does that Randall Cobb news do about that target share for Devontae Adams? It's going to plummet now. Um, I don't know, because is Derek Carr going to be the quarterback of the team next year? Like, I know we've done this for like three straight years where it's this is a make-or-break year for, for Derek Carr, but there's, including this year, there's two years left on his contract. As fair or unfair it is to a quarterback, if they don't make the playoffs this year, it's pretty easy to see the Raiders saying, okay, we need to move on from Derek Carr, even if he has a good season. So, yes, if Derek Carr's back, I, I think there's a there's a chance you're looking around saying, okay, maybe Devontae Adams makes sense to come to the Packers at that point. But if they go 8-9, if they miss the playoffs, even if Carr has a good year, is he the quarterback in 2022? And if he's not, then who cares about the Fresno State connection unless it's happening in, like, Detroit or something? Or does Devontae Adams become the target of this team regardless? Yeah, No yeah, matter who the yeah. quarterback is, because John Gruden might not be able to pass off that shiny of an object. Yeah, and that, that might be true. But I guess if they're going through some sort of quarterback change, I guess the big question is who is that quarterback? And if it's, you know, if they're drafting a guy or whatever, if it's Marcus Mariota, I don't know how... Devontae Adams, if he's intrigued by that option. The other thing I would say, if you're the Packers, you have a franchise tag option on Devontae Adams. Like the idea of this whole one last dance thing, it sounds nice for the players, but the Packers still control both Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams if they want to for 2022. Okay. Your next number is the number I teased, 27.9%. And you now already know that this is a bit of a secondary to the Devontae Adams thing, so you have a pretty good clue. I'll I'll stay here in Vegas. Darren Waller's target share? That is absolutely Darren Waller's target share at 27.9%. Not high enough. Uh, The closest to that is Travis Kelsey at 25%. By the way, that's Travis Kelsey, multiple-time Pro Bowl tight end Travis Kelsey at 25%. That's the... uh, that is the nature of the Raiders offense last year and just how bad the wide receivers were that Darren Waller got 28% of the targets, essentially nine per game. As someone that has Darren Waller in a fantasy keeper league, I would like to see that at about 37.9%. Well, if there's one thing we know that people care about, it's hearing about our fantasy keeper it is. leagues. It so, is. Throw it yeah. to Darren Waller. Come on. 
all the time. There are no good wide receivers. Henry Rugg, they're all busts. Just John Brown is not fast, and Zay Jones is not in shape. Only throw it to Darren Waller. Oh, the dog. I, I will give the you dog a dog does not like The dog does not like the way you are talking about this right now. The dog does not enjoy this at all. All right, let's get to a stat that actually I was going to save for a little bit later, but um, I, I, I kind of want to bring this one out right now because I want to I want to give I want to give Jared a little thank you. All right, Jared, you 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 take ten seconds to think about this while I yell at my dog. Okay. What am I okay. thinking? Uh, what am I thinking about? Well, you're preparing yourself for the fact that you are going to be brought into Candy's Chonies. It's not something that you should take lightly. Um, your number, Jared, is 39. Okay. Is that... It is It is a number that is from the state of Missouri. Number of touchdowns between Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes? I like you. I like the way you think. I like the way you think. Um... It's a more filling number than that. Filling. Yes. Is it the um, amount of businesses in Missouri Jared has been thrown out of? You're no, on the that, right track, that... Tyler. But see, that's the whole idea is you're cheating, Tyler. <laughs> How am I cheating? Because it's his. Oh, I'm just helping. Wait, so wait, it is the number of businesses that I've been <laughs> thrown out of? Or is it because I've only, I think I've only been thrown out of like, I don't know. Okay, no, I mean, like, it's double digits for sure, but it's it's not that many. There are 39 Waffle House locations in Missouri. <laughs> that is not easily findable information, by the way. I had to count those individually. you got dots on a map. Number. Wow. They must 39 have- locations, and I, I bring this number up largely because I just want to remind everybody that Jared has been banned from a Missouri Waffle House. Two actually, but yeah. <laughs> oh, look at that! I didn't realize it. <laughs> now, now, my here's the here's the question that goes along with that. Did you were you banned for separate incidents at these two Missouri Waffle Houses, or did one Waffle House call the other down the road and say, "Yo, don't let this dude in"? One involved a fist fight, and the other involved uh, just blatantly drunk behavior. Like, just it's Waffle House. Just the people working there are displaying blatantly drunk behavior. Yes, but they are not. Um, I believe I was cited for something to like trying to incite something or something. I don't know. I, I, what, I had a fight a, over hash browns, whether they were smothered or covered. Well, no, the, 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 the fist fight was its own separate thing, and <laughs> it being Missouri, somebody brought a gun out. So, yeah, that was more or less just a let's never like. We were asked to never come back to that Waffle House, and we were like, we don't want to. <laughs> it is impressive to get banned from a Waffle House, considering what they allow to happen there. Yeah, it's it's one of my... I, I, I put it on my resume. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Uh, one more number, and I went a little bit out of order here, but uh, this number for Tyler is 2,147, and it is a number from Las Vegas Sports. 2,147. I, I got no idea. Okay. It is from the Vegas Golden Knights. It happened last season. Oh, I was going to guess. Is that the cap space they have left this morning? Um, 2,147. Like consecutive minutes without a power play call? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, no, and if Gady Dadinoff is not going to fix that. Um <laughs> 2,147 is the amount of minutes played by Marc-Andre Fleury uh, 
last year for the Golden Knights. So if Marc-Andre Fleury plays next year for Chicago, he is clearly expected to be the 1A to Kevin Lankinen, who's 1B in Chicago. So do you think that Marc-Andre Fleury can handle a larger workload, or do you think that Marc-Andre Fleury won the Vezina Trophy because of Pete DeBoer's rotation system? Yeah, I think he can handle a, a larger workload. I think the rotation was more about not playing consecutive days, not playing those three games in four days stretch more more than the cumulative number of games or minutes that was ultimately played. Now, the the bigger argument there with cumulative minutes is what happens to the goalie in the playoffs. Do they wear down? We see the NBA load management because you want to be ready for the playoffs, and we've seen that more and more in the NHL just with goaltenders, not with anybody else, but just with goaltenders. So that's more about the playoffs. Chicago probably is a playoff team next year. They've made some good moves to to get a lot better. They recently. just got a really good goalie. So they're probably a playoff team next year. So I guess it's more or less who does Chicago plan on using in the playoffs, which I'm sure they'll, they'll decide during the season with who's better. That might be more important than, you know, simply how many minutes can he handle in the regular season? Well, there you go. You've, you've now ventured inside candy's chonies safely efficiently and hopefully oh god oh thank god i don't hear that often so thank you you can uh i'll put that as a yelp review for candy's chonies (laughs) oh that that is definitely a mobile establishment yeah (laughs) coming up next the golden knights have signed a goalie to replace Marc-Andre Fleury. I'm truly frustrated. I, I, I'm, I'm beyond frustrated. And part of it is, and the reason I walked in with the mask on is, you know, I'm immune deficient with this new variant. Who knows? So when I'm in a group and, and, and the group's not vaccinated or there's mixture, I put the mask on. And I do that, you know, for health reasons because nobody really knows. I just wish and I hope that our guys can understand that. The Golden Knights have made a new signing, uh, according to a couple different reports now. Laurent Brassois is a backup goaltender that they have signed for two years at $2.325 million. He'll be 28 this year. Uh, The most games he's played in a single season is 21. He did play 14 last year in Winnipeg and had a 918 save percentage and was plus 3.9 in goals saved above average. Uh, I don't think this is terrible. It is a little more expensive than I thought the Golden Knights were going to go for a backup goaltender. I kind of don't get it because you've now replaced the flurry salary with a backup goaltender and a surplus right wing who wasn't good last year. I'm still trying to put this all together. It's really the price more than anything else, right? Like, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with Brassois. He's been a serviceable backup goaltender. There's nothing wrong with taking a chance that Dadenoff gets back to Florida. Dadenoff. There's plenty that's wrong with two years at five million for Dadenoff and Brassois with Logan Thompson right there staring you down. I, I. I don't know. Again, it's 9.53 a.m. on the first day of free agency. It's not time for us to uh, give you a a report card on what happened with the Golden Knights free agency. It's just kind of hard at this point to put the pieces together. Yeah, I mean, right now, you are right. You're looking at $7 million for Flurry was shipped out, and they have now spent 
more than $7 million to get Dadanov and Laurent Brassois as a backup goaltender. And, you know, it's a forward and a backup goalie instead of just one goalie. But yeah, that's if you told, I don't think Bill Foley okayed trading away Marc-Andre Fleury so they could get Evgeny Dadanov and Laurent Brassois. On the goaltender thing, though, I, I really thought the Golden Knights would take advantage of the bad division. And what I mean by that is they're in a bad division. They are the prohibitive favorites to win this division by double-digit points this year. They're going to be in the playoffs. The regular season is irrelevant. I thought they would take advantage of that by going extremely cheap with their backup goaltender. It could have just been Logan Thompson making less than a million dollars as the backup goalie, because even if Logan Thompson has to play 20, 30 games this year, the Golden Knights should still win this division. And all that matters is the playoffs where you only really need the one goaltender. I thought they were going to take advantage of that. I think it is a miss by them to pay really anything more than a million dollars for their backup goaltender. And they're paying over 2 million for Laurent Brassois. Let's go even beyond the division piece, Tyler, and look at when this team was very new when they were successful in the first 30, 40 games. I mean, remember, Marc-Andre Fleury wasn't around for any of that. I mean, the Golden Knights were digging deep, deep into the minors. Oscar Dansk was winning games for the Golden Knights. Like, they've proven that this team can win without having a world-class performance in net every single night. But more important than that, can you show me that there would have been a million and a half dollar difference between Logan Thompson and Laurent Passois. More important than that, even try it out for half a season. If it's not working, how far behind are you really? If you then go out at mid season and acquire a goaltender, yeah. and then you had that million and a half in cap space in the off season when it's a whole lot more useful to you than it would be at the trade deadline. There, it, again, there could be other moves coming that make all of this make more sense, but. Tyler, it almost certainly has to be subtracting someone because we all sat around yesterday and said, okay, well, if you're clearing $7 million, A, you're probably making Alec Martinez fit, and B, you're probably thinking that you're making a run at Jack Eichel. Uh, it doesn't look that way right now. Well, here's a tweet from Justin Emerson. Ray Ferraro on TSN on the Evgeny Dadanoff acquisition. This does set up in Vegas for Jack Eichel for something big. I don't know how. Like, I, I don't, like, they're they're at the cap now, so I don't know how adding Dadanov and or Brossois helps them get Eichel, but apparently this somehow could be part of the plan that ends up with Jack Eichel being a Golden Knight before this is all said and done. I mean, they didn't remove term, right? They didn't remove years on anybody. Um, I don't understand how that would be, because if this were going to be some sort of a three-way trade, wouldn't it have been done as a three-way right. trade? I, yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't see the logic there. Yeah, I would doubt they're acquiring Dadanov and then in 12 hours, 24 hours, trading him to Buffalo as a part of a package to get Jack Eichel. You would, right, you would just do it all at once and say, here's the three-team trade. Who's here, who's here we're getting, who is what Buffalo's getting, and what uh, Ottawa would be getting. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how that ultimately works out, but maybe we'll find out. But hopefully by the time we're on the air tomorrow, it'll make a little bit more sense because right now it's been a strange first day of free agency for the Golden Knights and where they have elected to spend their money. But Marc-Andre Fleury's gone. Laurent Brassois is the backup to Robin Leonard this year as the Golden Knights have started to make moves. Adam Candy's in for one more day tomorrow before Ed comes back, unfortunately. One.